Bowl champions, Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, we have Dan Baker, and as Brent Musburger would say, you are listening live tonight from the National Convention, Collector's Convention in Rosemont, Illinois, as well as New Hamilton, New Jersey. So welcome to July 31st, 2019, Philly Press Box Radio, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and all state insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, trade deadline's come and gone. The Phils, as I expected, were, were somewhat quiet, made a, made a move a little bit this afternoon that we'll talk about. They sit six games back and one game out of the wild card. I guess a half a game now, headed into August. The Eagles training camp is in full swing with Deshaun Jackson making some fast news. And Orlando Scandrick is now in Manesca. College football is now just a month away, and it is my favorite time of the year. Oh, I know you love that, Bill. I mean, every week we talk about what's wrong with the Phillies. They certainly have issues, but as we speak, they're right there in the battle for the NL's two wild card spots. I can't say I'm optimistic, but, yeah, they did make a couple of minor moves. Maybe they'll pleasantly surprise us. We shall see. And, by the way, you get around. You're in Rosemont, Illinois tonight. I saw you in some big fancy RV somewhere a few days ago. You're getting around, pal. Well, I, I am uh, for at least for a couple of days. Uh, it's actually one of the very rare times in about the last three years. Things have been a little bit slow at work, and uh, I've had an opportunity to do a couple of things, and, uh, but it won't last long, believe you me. And, by the way, rest in peace, Nick Buonacani. We got the news today that uh, the great Hall of Fame linebacker passed away, so rest in peace, Nick. Yeah, and, you know, Nick, uh, I saw him a couple of years ago, and he was not in really good shape, and uh, – it's a shame those uh, 72 Dolphins are starting to fade away. And, uh, you know, Jim Kick is, is also not in very good shape. Uh, he suffers from that uh, too many times in the head thing, unfortunately. And uh, that's a shame for, for Nick, great player, Hall of Famer, that certainly made the most out of his career. Yeah, and one of our guests tonight uh, played at the same time that Nick was in the league. So we're going to ask him about Nick Buonacani also. Yeah, and hey, Chet, you mentioned uh, to me because I didn't hear this that the Astros were big dealers today in the uh, in the, at the trade deadline. What happened there? I don't know the specifics. I saw they got Zach Greinke though, so they have Verlander, Greinke, uh, Garrett Cole. Now the three guys in at least the American League, maybe in all of baseball, with uh, the lowest whips in the game. So they got some pitching, and that that American League is going to be tough. Whether it's you know them, uh, Houston, or the Yankees or whoever comes out of there, uh, they're going to be tough. I'll tell you that. They are going to be tough. And, you know, the Yankees are loaded in, uh, in Detroit. Or um, Detroit, I'm thinking of Verlander. Uh, Houston has loaded up real real good, and uh, they're going to make a go for this. Oh, yeah. It's going to be interesting. So, the Phillies didn't do a whole lot, but I think they are a better team now than they were two weeks ago. We, should, we hope so anyway. But let's talk a little football. Let's get our guest on here. That's right. Well, we have two great guests again tonight, former Eagles great Super Bill Bradley and our good friend Fred Hugo will be talking all things Philly sports, and this is certainly going to be another good one, Chet. Yeah, we will talk Phils. We will talk Eagles, a little Sixers, too, with Fred, but I'm sure B-squared, our first guest, will keep us entertained when he joins us. 
Well, and you know, uh, Super Bill Bradley has become an annual guest here at Philly Press Box Radio, Chad, and one of my favorite shows every year because nobody can tell the stories the way Bill does, and they're fantastic. And let's welcome him back to the show, Super Bill Bradley, calling in from Texas. Hey, man, how you guys doing? It's hot down <laughs> There he is. <laughs> Hello, Hello everywhere, I think, Bill. Yeah, it's hot everywhere, as Bill said. Uh, we got Bill Bradley, we got Bill Furman, this is Chet. Bill, I want to welcome you back for a fourth straight summer with us. It's always fun to talk to you. And let's get right into it. Eagles training camp is underway. Bill, take us, take us back to the early 70s. You guys trained at Albright in Reading your first couple of years before moving to Widener. What was camp like uh, under head coaches Jerry Williams, Ed Kayat, and Mike McCormick back in the day? Well, it was it was, uh, it was – Pretty pretty high intense with new coaches. You know, you got to prove yourself to new coaches all the time, and uh, and uh, you got a lot of new faces. Every time there was a new head coach, he brought in a few of his guys and let some of the other guys go. So you had had different faces coming in and out all the time. Uh, the practices, the two days were fun. We had a good time. Uh, my first special teams coach under Jerry Williams was Marv Levy. And so I really had a ball with him because, you know, the Eagles drafted me as a punter slash player. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Bill, uh, I know you've stayed in football coaching and all that. We talked to you for about that before. But how do you see it now uh, that the players, there's, I guess, more because of the collecting bargaining agreement, do a whole lot less hitting in camp? Back in your day, it was uh, it was pretty physical, no? Yeah, it was. You had to prove yourself, and so everybody, all practices were pretty zippy and uh, and heated up a little bit, and uh, pretty physical. And you know, we learned from the old timers, uh, the Tom Wittesicks of the world, Dave, Pappy Lloyd, all those kind of guys. We had to learn from as rookies coming in, and uh, they were pretty rough old codgers, man. <laughs> Bill, by the way, what was the NFL thinking back in the first half of the 1970s when they played 14 regular season games but six preseason games? That's nuts. I have no clue, but I do know that during those times, we got per diem for training camp. (laughs) And so they're making, you know, they're they're banking a lot of money there, and we're just making per diem. So it was, uh, uh, you know, just a base salary was, for a rookie, I know mine was around 17500 But I really had no complaints at the time because teachers in my home state at that time was making about 3500 a year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I think they make now, about 15 They make about fifteen five a snap now, not, not a season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the but the but the kids, the rookies coming in and the free agents, they they still don't go get paid yet today, do they? Uh, no, not really. They 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 go. I'm not sure about that. You'd have to double check on that, but I don't think so. I, uh, I'm sure they sign a tender and a and a uh, you know a, a, a contract, and they get their contract for those days. Well, Bill, last year you told, team, us, you told us last year about your holdout and selling stuff out of the trunk of your car before uh, you worked something out with the team. Any other funny stories you remember from training camp? Well, we lost a real good friend, uh, Tim Rosovich, this past uh, few months. Yeah. And uh, 
one of the best stories I remember of Timmy. Timmy always, you know, had had something funny on his mind, and he loved to entertain people. So we went out at we were at Franklin Field at this time, and working out. And uh, uh, Harold Jackson had been challenged to a forty-yard dash with uh, all the Olympic sprinter that we had for a cup of coffee there that was won that uh, the Olympics on the relay team. Uh, John Carlo. And so Billy Hobbs, the linebacker, jumped in because he was pretty fast in the 20 and the 40. He ran a 9-700-yard dash back in uh, Amarillo in Texas in high school. So Timmy decided that he was going to get in that group. And he did. He got in that group. And he had worked out a plan that nobody knew that he got an oil can and he milked it out of the oil and cleaned it out and put like, uh, you know, lemonade in it or something. I think it was lemonade. And so when he did that, they were all getting ready to, to race and get a start. And uh, Timmy jumped in and said, oh, that oil can he had refilled with uh, lemonade. And so he acted <laughs> like he opened it up, and he drank that stuff down. He says, I'm ready. I don't even have to get loose. And he took off and ran. And first of all, everybody thought he was absolutely insane, which he was. And but we thought it was real oil to get his body all lubered up, you know, to run in front of forty. That was a pretty funny joke at the time. But but Harold Jackson actually had John Carlos beat in the forty, and uh, he had just won an Olympic medal, you know. And John was about six two or three and weighed about two ten, and they were trying him out. As a receiver, now John could run, but he couldn't catch a cold. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. But he could run, and uh, so we all had a little bet going on there at practice at, at, at the beginning before we did our calisthenics and started practice. And that was one of the events that I always found to be pretty amusing. It was a, it was also team building, you know, a lot of fun along with uh, what was fixing to take place with two a day practice. Only two a days. I thought uh, I thought back then it was still three a days. No, huh? uh, we had no three. Now when Dick came in, we had three a day. Uh, wow. Yeah, when when Dick came in, we had three a days, and uh, and that was toward the end of my career, so it wore me out. But but you know it <laughs> served its purpose, and uh, these, these guys today I think are a lot smarter, and everyone, even the coaches and the trainers and everybody involved with all the money and everything. I think they're a lot smarter about that. And, uh, you know, I saw where a couple of players, uh, receivers that have been in the league for a number of years are going to even sit out training camp. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Bill, I wanted to ask you, and you mentioned about Coach Ramil, and this was on my list, but, you know, you guys all come back and you do the golf outing uh, in in large numbers every year. It's been going on for years and years. And uh, what what is it about Coach Ramil that you guys that I mean, he was a taskmaster and, and worked you guys darn near to death. But there's this love for him that is, seems pretty unusual for most coaches after after you've parted ways. But not that way with Coach Ramil. Well, he he came in and wanted, he changed the climate of, of the whole team, and he did it with strict uh, rules, and he did it by standing by them, no matter who did them or what they had to adhere to all the rules. And, uh, 
and it paid off for him. He, you know, he he he's he was a grinder, and uh, and he he you know he he was gonna bring in a a couple of his UCLA guys and stuff like John Shire and those guys. So I didn't have much to do. So he came in and he asked me, which I thought was really fair, that he that he wanted to trade me. I had a clause that I had first right of review in trade. So he hadn't read my contract. He just came in and finally one day he met with me and says, Hey, Bill, I, I, yeah, I got you traded to the market. Hey, I got you traded to the Rams. I said, Coach, I'm not going to go. And he, he, he kind of got a little wound up on that. And uh, he said, Well, I got you traded. He said, No, you, what you need to do is go be and, uh, and and for your clothes. I said, now I'll be happy to, to be traded somewhere, but I want to be traded to someone that is, has been in the game. Yes, I think the Rams were 2 and 12. And uh, kind of like us, you know, 71, 2 and 3. So he was, he was a black and he, he went and uh, he, he read the contract and then finally he came. Down uh, a few days later, and says, hey, "Hey, Bill, what do you think about trading to the Vikings?" And so I knew they were a veteran team, and I said, "Sure, I would love to do that, Coach." And he and I didn't really, you know, get along in the beginning. But after I worked for him in the NFLPA game and got to know him over the years, he is one unique individual and one heck of a man and one heck of a coach. And he's very honest, very straightforward. And that's what we loved about him, really. Yep, you got that right. Well, Bill, there's a lot of buzz about the current Eagles, that they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders again this year, assuming good health for the quarterback, of course. I know you don't follow the day-to-day goings-on of camp and all that, but, I mean, with guys like Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson back in the fold now, a crowded running back core with a lot of veterans and a highly touted rookie out of Penn State, Miles Sanders, they certainly have plenty of weapons offensively. I think they're going to be fun to watch. Are you getting that vibe? Yes, and I, I think they got a real winner at quarterback too. That's going to get the ball to him, and uh, he's he's uh, he's a teamer. You know what I mean? He, he they trust him, and he's going to lay his, his body on the line for the team to win football games. That's that's a known fact. Hey, they got now, great, Bill. they've got a great they've got a great receiving core, and they've got a great oh, team yeah. and a great head coach, and uh, and the Cowboys still suck. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you about those Cowboys. There's awful, awful lot of noise going on down there about how good they are, and then their uh, <laughs> running back decides he's going to lay out, and uh, it, it's business as usual. But the Cowboys, they're still going to stink. I know. That's look, and that's the way Jerry Sizemore and I and Steve Zabel and some of my old teammates. That's that's how we start off every text or every conversation. We have to start off with Cowboys still suck. And then we do our talking. There you go. And I, I happened to work in a league this I got to go to work for Mike Riley in San Antonio this year in the uh, uh, Alliance Football League. And uh, and uh, uh, Moose Johnson, Daryl, was our GM. And I got to – every day we walked in the office and I'd look at him. I said, Cowboys still suck. He says, yeah, Eagles are sorry. <laughs> And uh, that's how we started the day and started laughing. And we became really great friends. And 
you know, I have a lot of good friends that did play for the Cowboys over the years, and uh, and I got a lot of respect for them because we wanted to be just like them at the time. Well, Bill, since so, you uh, mentioned that, since you mentioned that, I see you did do a little coaching last spring with those San Antonio Commanders. What the heck happened with the Alliance of American Football? It looked like it, you know, might have been a fun league, but after like five weeks or whatever, it was gone. What happened there? Well, it was eight weeks, and then we had a training camp, and then we had some uh, other practices prior to. The original investor, in the way I understand it, ran out of money. And uh, Ebersol's son, Charlie, he he had it set up for two years, maybe three years. And, and uh, when his one of his investors ran out of money, that put him in a bind. So he had to take first time for the investors. And uh, he did. And uh, the guy named Dundam uh, influxed about, oh, I don't know how many millions of dollars and, and then uh, I think after about three or four weeks, he was uh, uh, out of money, too, and he didn't have the money that I think Eversol and Napoleon thought he had. So he was in there, and he got all the apps. He got everything for this, all the rules, different things, and he shut her down and practice one day after the eighth week of the season. And by the way, during that time, I got lucky, and I've been that way in coaching. Uh, we were leading the league in interceptions. We were leading the league in takeaways. We were first in the Western Division, and all four of my starters are now back on NFL rosters, and that's what my job was to do. Oh, wow. And I'm very proud wow. of that. Absolutely. Great. Well, hey, Bill, it's almost college football season as well, and uh, – my favorite time of the year is when, when college kicks off. And, again, a lot of noise down there in Texas coming from them Longhorns. What do you think? Well, I think they're on their way back. The arrow's pointing up. I don't I, I, I don't think all the talking is going to do anything. But I do know that when they played yard in the bowl, in the bowl game, they, they annihilated that team defensively. And I'd never mm-hmm. seen a defense swarm to the ball and do – as well as they did in that particular game at the University of Texas in quite some time since the bench young years. But I guess they open up with LSU down there in Austin on Labor Day weekend. That will be a good kickoff and certainly a good challenge for the for both teams. Yes, and I'll probably be sitting on around 30 or 40 with a good friend of mine and pulling for my I alma mater. Mm-hmm. I get to go up there once in a while and we go to practices. Last year they – honored our 1968 team, which I was on, that we finished third in the nation. We set up two national championships and 30-game winning streak in college ball. So they brought our, our, our you know, forgotten team back and honored us at, uh, at uh, halftime. And that was really a neat thing. I bet. Hey, Bill, I want to ask you something. I think we can all agree that instant replay has helped to get the majority of calls in the game right. But starting this year, there's a new rule allowing pass interference or even the lack of a call to be challenged. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this could end up causing lots of issues, lots of controversy, and maybe just being a big old mess. What do you think about this? I think it should be a flag play before they can go to replay. That's what I personally think. I think it's going to extend games. It's going to really change games. And, uh, and uh, you know, the games are long enough now, and they're going to be extended even more. We had some yeah. great rules in the uh, Alliance League. We had, uh, if you were behind in the last two minutes of the half, 
in the last two minutes of a game and you scored, you were behind 14 points or more, and you scored, you could take what they call the onside kick rule. And the onside kick rule means the team that was behind, if they just kicked a field goal or scored, they got the ball with fourth and 12 on the 27-yard line going in. And and so if they made a first, they got to keep going. So you always had a chance of winning games. Of course, we didn't have the onside kick or kickoffs or anything like that, which I thought was pretty good. But we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of TV timeouts to do for uh, things like that, like you just said, where they got to review. Now, I know they have that rule in Canadian football, and it's been a little bit successful up there, but the games are extended a lot, time-wise. They're, they're a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Bill, I wanted to ask you, as far as the the players today, when you – I mean, you were a fantastic athlete in, in all sports down there in Texas, and you look at these athletes coming out of high school and college today, how do you think they match up with the, the, the guys back in the other era? Are these guys just so much bigger, stronger, faster, or is it all pretty relative, do you think? Well, they are, but they're more specialized. They're all doing this from, you know, certain times up, seventh grade up. Now they're probably doing the position they could play in pro ball. Now in smaller towns in this state where they have to have more athletes on the field, they do more things. They play both ways and that sort of stuff, but not in big schools and not in colleges. And uh, you just don't get the athletic uh, player anymore that has, you know, uh, the ability to do more than one thing on a team. They're more well-rounded. Now, they are probably a little bit bigger, faster, and stronger these days, but I don't know if they're they're more solid in the way of being a football player, if you know what I mean. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're one-minded, they're one-way uh, type of guy. And, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. That's how it's moving forward. And, uh, Getting more specialized. I do know that uh, when I work camps or I work in uh, in football, you've got to take the head out of the game, and uh, you have to emphasize it. And it's hard to stop that when a receiver catches the ball, and ducks his head. The DB's head is already down, looking up, and he may duck his helmet in too. And uh, it's just a rough rule. And then, uh, not to mention to add a rule that if somebody thought there was a pass interference call, it wasn't. Or you're going to extend the game more, and it's going to change the game a lot more. Yeah. Well, Bill, the NFL lost another one of his greats today. He's a Hall of Famer, played middle linebacker for the Patriots, and then the Dolphins at the time when you were in the league, the early 70s. Nick Wanakani, any special memories of Nick Wanakani? Oh, gosh. I think Nick was one of the catalysts of that undefeated team. He was a quiet leader, he wasn't a, a, a big, large man or a linebacker. He was uh, but he was smart, and he had some quicks and close quickness, and he could uh, he was physical for his size. He, he had a nice stance whenever he'd go to tackle somebody with his whole body in the right position, and he, he ran from sideline to sideline, you know, and he was just a really good player. They had a team for those kind of guys on defense and on offense as well. It's very, very solid team, and I think uh, – Coach Shula didn't take anything, uh, you know, they had to put forward their best foot every time or they wouldn't play for him. That's right. 
And they had a team that stayed together for quite some time. I know that when Larry Zonka ended up going to the Giants and we were playing against him and I saw him break through a guard hole there that looked like a guard running with the ball. And so I found a way to trip the back of my foot so I would fall on the ground. <laughs> a 260-pounder hitting a 168-pounder? Come on. Uh, oh, shoot. Well, Bill, we have about run out of time already, and we certainly appreciate you coming by to join us again. Fourth time, as Chet said, and uh, let's do it again. Hey, you guys know that I love the city of Philly, man. I think it's the best city to live in in the whole world and the surrounding uh, suburbs. And like I said in a text to you guys today, man, I took the Paoli local in from uh, Wayne, PA, to practice every day at, at uh, you know, Penn Field. And uh, I wouldn't trade that for all the money in the world. Billy Hobbs and I took it in, and uh, we got to – we wrote it every day. And so we'd give tickets out for – free rides, and so, and we got to call all the stops from Radman, Prentmar, Villanova. We got to yell out all the stops coming <laughs> in and going back home. It was really cool. All well, you know, Bill, as, come on all as, fans, huh? as fans, we sure miss that because, the, you know, the players were people just like everybody else. Now, you know, this year, I don't know if you know this, the Eagles have one open practice for the whole entire camp. To the that, public, that, everything sure. else is closed. It's uh, you know, yeah, and Chet and I talked about this last week. You, you miss those old days when the the kids could carry the players' gear and walk down the road with them to the locker room and all that. That was a lot of fun times. Yeah, that that's bizarre to me. But, uh, I wouldn't trade all of my time in Philadelphia and my teammates that I got to know. We're all still great friends today, from John Bunning to to Steve Table and. And all those guys, man, this and the list goes on and on. Sizemore, everybody, Wade, all the guy Morris, all the Texans that we all ran around together and made friends. I was so lucky to cross over with the old-time football players, from Dave Patrick Lloyd to all those guys that were older on the team. They were in their 30s, and I was a kiddo. And I just learned all of my stuff from people like Joe Star Patty. All those guys, I wouldn't trade that time for all of For a punter, I got to pick everybody's brain and ended up playing safety for a number of years. I, I wouldn't trade it for all the money in the world. And you did it well. And I love Philly. Awesome. Philly is a blue-collar town, and they like guys that bring their own tail. That's right. And, Thanks, and then Bill. you got to leave and go back. To, you got to go back to Texas with a, with a nickname of Super Bill Bradley. Well, my close friends call me Stupid Bill, but that's my real close <laughs> friends. They really know. <laughs> oh, all right, Bill. Well, hey, thanks for coming by. We certainly appreciate it. Let's do it again. Thank you so much. Call me again, man. Don't, don't be strangers. You got it. Thanks, all righty. Appreciate it, man. Y'all be good. Go Eagles. It is Shark Week, not only on TV, but also at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, where you can enjoy Land Shark drafts for 3 bucks and bottles for three fifty this week. You can also reel in sharky cocktails and enter to win beach gear, including chairs, coolers, and games. 
separately this Thursday the 1st, it's Goose Island IPA Day. More specials. Of course, there's also trivia every Wednesday evening, a DJ every Friday night. And as we told you last week, Bill and Fred and I will be there at the Rover on Sunday, August 25th at 2 p.m. for a live edition of the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Giveaways, a chance to win Phillies tickets, and a special guest. Again, it's Sunday, August 25th, when Philly Press Box Radio hits the Irish Rover. And Bill, because this is Shark Week, I have to do this. Forgive me. Sorry. Why? Why, why did you have to do that? <laughs> it's Shark Week. <laughs> oh, but why? Hey, Chet, you mentioned you mentioned that we're going to be live at the Rover uh, coming up. Tell tell the listeners how that all works and uh, what they can expect and, and, you know, how we do it. Well, you know, we had such a good time doing a live show at the Irish Rover last March, and they enjoyed having us, they said. So we decided we're going to do another one. And as I noted in that little spot you just heard, it will be the last Sunday in August. That's August 25th, starting at 2 p.m., Hopefully a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and we can't wait. I'm working on snagging a guest to join us. Hopefully we'll be able to announce that next week. We'll see. But we do know that you, Fred Hugo, and I will be there, and there will be some giveaway items, including a couple of Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts, a chance to win Phillies tickets, courtesy the Irish Rover, some good Philly sports conversation, of course, and then we'll, we'll all sing the Baby Shark song together. Or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to it, uh, getting a chance to come up there, and uh, and the, the Rover was, treats us great, and we certainly want to put on a good show there, and uh, hopefully people come out and visit with us, and a lot of people that get to listen to us, and we talk to a lot, and, and, and give us a lot of feedback, and but we've never met them. It'd be, it'd be great if they could come out to the Rover, and uh, we could actually put faces with names. Yeah, we met a bunch of them on March 3rd when we were there, and hopefully we'll meet uh, you know another dozen or more this time around. So August 25th, mark your calendar to join us. All right. Well, hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much money they'll need to retire? And if that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate in Westchester. Yeah, you know it, Bill. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal, then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoie at Allstate, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, this great Metallica song, Yankees fans know it as the tune played whenever Mariano Rivera came into a ballgame, was released 28 years ago this week. Well, I tell you what, Chet, we'll get to we'll get to that a little bit later. I, I hope if we have a couple minutes I'll tell you a little bit about this memorabilia show that I'm at here that's called the National and uh Mario R- Rivera Mariano Rivera items are hot. Oh I bet. We'll talk some more about that. But hey, for now it's football season, it's upon us, which means Fred Hugo is back with us. As our listeners know, Fred is one of those diehard Philly sports fans and especially an Eagles fan, Chet. Yeah, he is for sure. Big Sixers fan and a Big Birds fan. So uh, let's get to it. Let's welcome Fred back to Philly Press Box Radio. Let's do it, Fred. What's up, guys? Yo, uh, that shark, you got to play the baby shark. That was awesome, Chet. 
I my daughter in a rover. She can lead I it. That... My daughter can lead. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you, with, with daughter, you probably know that song all too well, Fred. Oh, I started bobbing my head. I got excited. I, and then I hoped I was in mute, on mute because I was singing along. I was there like, oh, my go. gosh, I, what if I'm not on mute? Oh, my. All right, Fred. We'll, we'll have you sing a little more later. But uh, we're going to talk Sixers, too. But regarding the Eagles, we're hearing generally very positive reports out of the Novacare complex. Wentz looking real good. He's developing a nice rapport with Deshaun Jackson. Rookie Miles Sanders is healthy and looking fine. You getting excited, Fred? Oh, I'm jacked up. I'm full of positivity about the bird so far, but it's all it's all on paper though. I I I'm, I'm excited, optimistic, but I do got my my concerns. But there's going to be some injuries here from now to the end of camp. Something's going to happen. So I'm trying to temper my uh, my excitement and expectations. But on paper, it's looking great. Well, Fred, what, where let's start uh, let's start with running backs. We're, we're not even going to talk about the whole the whole conversation about Carson Wentz staying healthy because everybody knows that they're beating that dead horse. Let's talk running backs, and they got a stable of them right now. I guess seven of them in camp. Uh, how do you see that playing out? I mean, they brought Sproles back for a reason, so I, I can't see him not. He's he's going to be on there. You got he traded for Howard. You got Howard. You drafted Miles Sanders in the second round. He's there, so it's basically that fourth spot. And I, I, you got Clement, or they seem to love Smallwood. I, I just, I, I, I'm, I don't know where it's going to go on that fourth spot. But you know, however it shakes out, I don't think it's going to be. It, uh, since Peterson's been here, there's never been like a, a set bell cow that they just run, run every single down. It's going to be a, a mix throughout the season and. One game you may have Howard goes off for 200 yards. Another game it might be Sanders. You know, they're going to mix it up. And um, I think Sproles will be more relegated to that third down role, you know, out of the backfield type of deal. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, interesting to see. I see some people having them keep five running backs. I, I just can't, I can't see how that, that would happen. You know, I, they could probably get Boston Scott on the practice squad. Um, I, I I kind of, I see them keeping four. I just don't know if it's going to be Smallwood or uh, Clement. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And I'll tell you, um, come cut down day, you know, somebody's going to be picked up by another team, I'm sure, whether it's Donnell Pumphrey or Scott or I don't know, Smallwood, if he doesn't make it, somebody's going to land on another team for sure. Uh, how about the wide receivers? We're hearing great things about Nelson Aguilar. Uh, we heard you know, the rookies looking good at times. He had a nice 80-yard catch from Wentz yesterday. Uh, what do you think of these receivers on the tight ends? Um, the receivers, I'm very excited to have Nelson Aguilar back in that like third, fourth receiver role. I think that's him in that spot. He get paid. He's get gets paid way too much money for that spot, but he's on the roster, so might as well use it. I think that's going to help be a matchup nightmare as far as they got you know you got Jackson and Jeffrey that you're you're trying to deal with on top of the tight ends and now you got Aguilar sitting there as your third guy on top of possibly Hollins or uh Ortega Whiteside so I think I pronounced that right but I'm very it it looks good for the receivers um and then as far as tight end goes I don't I I, they I don't know how many they're going to keep I could see them going more with the tight end like keeping four three or four there because they they like Rodgers, who they got from Green Bay. And then the other guy, Joshua Perkins, he can play wide receiver sometimes too. So you're kind of getting a two-part two position there 
and I, I could see so many matchup nightmares if you go you could go double tight end with Ertz and Goddard, and then you got the receivers. You can move everyone all over. Sproles out of the backfield. You could put Goddard back at fullback if you wanted to. You know, not that the fullbacks use. There's so many mismatches um, that you know defenses are going to have to come out, and they may look like they're coming out in a base set, like a running formation with you know Ertz and Goddard, and they may have two or three linebackers in, and you just pop one out at wide receiver, and now all of a sudden now they're in a they're not in a nickel defense, and we throw all over them. So. I think offensively, as far as the skill positions go, we're we're looking great. Well, I tell you, I'm really surprised that Dallas Goddard just kind of seemed to disappear in the off season. You didn't really hear too much about him or anything going on. Of course, Zach Ertz was in the news a lot because he was following his wife around. But I'm expecting big, big things from Goddard, and I think he's going to be a real weapon for these guys. I agree. I, and then maybe it's a good thing that, that it's quiet and he's just working and, and there's not a huge show and, and, and all this stuff with him. I kind of like it that way where they just come out and, and lead by action. So he's, he's gonna, he did well last year, and this is his second year. It can, it can only get better, right? Yeah, oh, you, would think. you would think. You would think. You would think. Over on the well, defense. Fred, you know uh, that, yeah, go ahead. Well, so Chad, I want, to, I want to hit him up about that offensive line before we go because, sure. you know, that's my bread and butter. And we're coming back from injuries. Um, you know, I, I'm certainly concerned they're not only coming back from injuries, but they're getting a little long in the tooth there with, with some of those guys. How do you feel about that? And are these young guys ready to ready to go? Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, Bill, because that like whatever pro football focus or whatever it's called and the mother rating sites has them rated as the top offensive line in, in the league again. I know it's a good offensive line, but there's a lot of concerns with, with all the injuries. Peters is up there, he's coming back off an injury. You have a rookie in Dillard, and then you know, Kelsey was thinking about retirement. I know he got the extension and all, but that doesn't mean those thoughts aren't still there. You know, so I'm I'm concerned with the health of the offensive line. But it seems that, you know, Peter said he's willing to move into guard even to extend his career or, or be more versatile. So I'm interested to see how it pans out. I think they do have some depth there. Uh, I think Big V is going to be on, on, the, on the cutting block, though. I, I think he doesn't make it out of camp. He's a guy that unless he can show he can play guard, which they, are tr- they were trying him out in mini camps. I'm not sure how he's doing so far in training camp. Unless he can show the versatility to play both, I think I think he's going to be the odd man out. Yeah, and over on the defensive side, I think uh, the only concerns for me right now maybe linebacker, and then the injury situation with Derek Barnett. We're not hearing a whole lot about how he's recovering. So Derek Barnett, we have to keep an eye on, and Jalen Mills is probably going to not be ready for the start of the season. For what I'm hearing, I guess he's on the pup list already. So uh, you got to keep an eye on the injuries. But uh, what do you think about the defense otherwise? Yeah, we keep hearing all these like rumors about trades for edge rushers. I mean, Derek Barnett was drafted to be that guy, so I, hopefully he can be that. I, I think the depth at defensive tackle is is going to take a ton of pressure off those defensive ends. So they should they should have field days. You know, Brandon Graham and whoever whoever's on the other side. Um, you got Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox. You got Timmy Jernigan coming back. I mean, they're 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 going to be fresh, rotating the whole time. I, I don't see why. Why, if they're if they're not getting to the passer, that that's a huge problem. And then as far as Jalen Mills goes, I'm not all that concerned with him. I I know he had a, a a fun year when we won the Super Bowl and he's the Green Goblin, but 
he gets beat an awful lot, and there's an awful lot of times that that ball sails over the receiver's head or goes out of bounds, and he's wagging his finger like he made the play, but he didn't make the play. <laughs> the guy was wide open. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, and I see that all day, and I'm like, oh man, you know, I, I love that he embraces Philly and went with the green hair and all that. That's what kind of makes me like like him. But you know, I'm hoping Sidney Jones becomes the pick he was drafted to be. That that the, before he got hurt, the top five pick. And I want him to definitely start on one side, and we'll see what happens on the other side. But but Mills probably – he was a seventh-round pick for a reason. I know he had some, like, issues that had him drop, but he definitely wasn't a first- or second-rounder. I think he's more – he's going to have to, like, eat some humble pie and, and, and be more in a reserve role and in the rotation. Or if not, they'll probably try to ship him out. Oh. That'd be interesting. Now, what do you think about the Orlando Scandrick pickup? Is that a valuable spot, or you think he's just taking up some space? I think he's taking up space. I mean, maybe – I know he has a pro ball under his belt, but we remember when he was in Dallas. It was, that that defensive backfield was horrendous. We were laughing. like, And now he comes to the Eagles, and I read all these reports about this great veteran defensive back. I'm like, is this the same guy that I watched Sam Bradford torch up a couple times? <laughs> Is it because I mean, hopefully it'd be great. I'd, I'd be more than happy that he that he's good to death. But I'm not, I'm not buying buying it. Is certainly maybe he's improved and maybe a different system will help. I mean, Dallas, I forget who was the coach then. It might even have been Wade Phillips. So he's not not a bad bad coach um, at that time. So I I don't really buy it too much. But I mean, I'm open. He could have improved. He does have a Pro Bowl, I guess. Hey, Fred, I want to squeeze in a Sixers question or two. It's going to be a great Eagle season. We know that. Uh, you were on with me back on July 2nd when Bill was down in Atlanta. I know you're generally happy with the Sixers' Al Horford and Josh Richardson additions. Since then, they've filled out the roster with guys like guard Trey Burke and the return of Furkan Korkmaz. I know that has you pumped. You happy with the roster? Oh. <laughs> Except for that last name you just said. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with the roster. But he, you know he's got to. He's still young too. Who knows? I mean, he, he's he's got to get. He's got to play better. Although he can't just be a spot up shooter. He has to understand there's other parts to the game that he has to play, and he has to at least. Get, he's not JJ Redick, so you can't just be a, a ghost out there on defense if you're not scoring at a JJ Redick clip, which which Korkmaz isn't. But the rest of the roster, I think they filled it out well. That the the process, if you will, is is finally complete. They have a roster that is set to built for the future. There's no more like, what if? And that was my main thing when you had me on even before Bill was was going to Atlanta. That that was my main thing. Like after this draft, after this free agency, this needs to be the team now. Like there is no more, you know, what moves can we make? This has to be the set team. So I'm happy that that's the case, and I'm also very happy that Elton Brand has moved this team towards hanging their hat on defense first. Because to beat the juggernaut teams, I mean, we have some good players ourselves, but to beat those teams, you have to play defense. I know Durant was out, but even with Durant out, that Raptors team, you know, that, that Warriors team is pretty good. You know what I mean? They went 73-9 and nine or whatever it was, 73-10, and 10, whatever it was, broke the Bulls record without Durant, and that – that Raptors team played defense, and that's on top of Kawhi and scored, and that that's why they won. So I'm, exo- I'm excited that, that that's the focus. Hey, hey Fred, I'm, I'm going to have to get this out there for, for everyone to hear and for you to get to give your opinion because one of our guys, Danny Bevins, took a shot at you the other day, 
And uh, he wanted to know if you still are trusting the process and if this is the process or if they've blown the process up and now have a new process. So I'm going to turn it over to you to respond to Danny and all the people that you have trusted the process with for a long time. Well, I, I, this goes back to just Danny never understood the process and anyone else who did. Everyone thought – who most people that are against the process thought – you tank and then you hit on every draft pick and, and build your team based on the draft picks. When that wasn't the case at all, the whole part of it was you're going to lose and it's going to stink. You're going to miss on some picks, but hopefully because Philadelphia is not a destination that star players want to come to, like it or not, it, it wasn't, and it kind of still really isn't. We saw in the LeBron offseason, no one really wanted to come. So you're going to have to draft those players, and the, the chances were that you would hit on some. You hit on Simmons, and you hit on Embiid. You missed on a few others. Brian Colangelo came in through the middle of that and kind of messed it up because you had Nerlens Noel, you had Jalil Okafor. Okafor was coming off 17 points, eight and nine rebounds a game, almost rookie of the year, and Noel had high value as well. And he and if Hinky was still there, those guys would have been shipped off in that in that Ben Simmons draft and they would have got other picks back that would have then began building, in my opinion. But through that whole thing, we're finally here now. So, yes, I trust the process. We're at a point now where we can call Embiid and Simmons to the carpet. They're in – Simmons is in his third year. Embiid's in, what, his fourth, fifth. And now they've added veterans around them to just go now. So now, from now on, now I can start screaming and yelling or, or complaining if Ben Simmons doesn't shoot jumpers. And stuff like that, you know, but I feel like a lot of people expected we were just going to win the championship. And a lot of it, the hype, it was hyped up. It was hyped up like this is going to be the greatest offseason. We're going to get LeBron. We're going to win it all. And when you get Jimmy Butler and, and you and you get Harris, you, you expect that. I, I get it, but it, it doesn't happen that easy. Like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were not – they didn't hit their stride till the sixth, seventh year. And Curry was hurt for two years, you know. People forget that the Warriors stunk. They stunk, and they drafted and drafted, and that's when they start. And then they added pieces after that. So, I trust the process, Danny, and I hope you understand it now. <laughs> <laughs> Good All job. Right. And by Fred. the way, by the way, it is nice to see Ben Simmons hitting some jumpers in practices and in a scrimmage the other day. I'm not going to get too excited. I want to see it in October and November when they're playing real games. But, Fred, I want to ask you, uh, it's, it's August tomorrow, not October, August tomorrow, which means football and fantasy football are right around the corner. So are you going to join us again this fall and be our fantasy football guy? Oh, yeah. I can't wait. And I'm going to be adding some more stuff on the fredandbutter.com. I'm going to get some uh, live videos going on Facebook and stuff as well as what I'm doing with you guys. So it's going to be going to be a fun season. So. I'm finally settled in. I have my second kid, and the, and the insurance is going good, so I've I'm, I'm got a little bit more time. So I'm going to get, get a little more dedicated to that. Oh, and by the way, will I see uh, you Sunday evening at that Eagles open practice? You will not. I won't be there. Um, I'm going – I typically bring my, my daughter and them there, but I'm not going to be there this, this Sunday night. I kind of like when they do the day one. It's a little bit easier, but I'll, I'll be at the preseason game the following Thursday. Okay. Sounds good, Fred. Right, and I'm excited. I'm excited for. Uh, I'm excited for uh, uh, the 24th as well. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Oh yeah. We're at the at the rover, right? At the rover. Yep. 
Is it 24th or 25th? 25th. I don't even have it in front of me. 25th. Yeah. Whatever I'm sorry. Your man got the date wrong. 25th. 25th. You're going to be fault. there on the wrong day, Fred. <laughs> Sunday the 25th. I'm sure I would still uh, have a good time. As long as I got an Uber. Thanks, Fred. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, Fred. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Chet. It's, uh, it's time to reorder those Philly Press Box Radio shirts. We've talked about it. Uh, we're getting ready to do it probably in the next week or so. You're looking them over. I've looked them over. And uh, we're going to turn those red shirts into green eagle shirts, uh, eagle color shirts. Uh, same logos, same sponsors as well. Yeah, and you sent me some pics of the new shirts, which we will be putting on Facebook for all to see very soon. We'll again have a bunch of different ones to choose from, regular material as well as dry fit. Some different shades of all green shirts as well as gray ones with our Philly Press Box Radio logo in green. And by the way, if anyone is interested in joining us as a sponsor, please let us know and we'll get your business's name added to the back as soon as we can for future shirt deliveries. That's right. We're always looking for sponsors. Keeps this, keeps this machine running. Keeps me all in right, beer money. Yeah, there you go. Well, I thought it was coffee money. That's about it. So well, yeah, coffee money. That's hey. what I meant, coffee. That's it. So tell us, Jed, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, next week, Bill, we'll talk baseball with Philly's beat writer Bob Brookover of the Inquirer and Daily News. And we may have a second guest, but that is not a definite just yet, so I'm going to hold off on announcing it. But Bob Brookover will be with us next Wednesday evening. All right. Wait, Chet, uh, before we get to our, our Raz room, I wanted to give a shout-out. And this, this could be one of the things we missed, but I don't, have a, uh, I don't have a parting shot of things we missed. But how about the Flyers alumni today having a get-together to honor one of their own? The Chief Craig Berube uh, was honored by his old teammates and pals and uh, work people. I thought that was a really cool thing. I didn't even know about that, but that is nice and uh, good for the Chief. You know, Stanley Cup winner now, and uh, that's nice that the organization has not forgotten him. Well, I don't know if it was the organization or if it was the alumni, so I'm not sure ah. if, that's, that's one, if that's two different yeah. things. But it was, uh, it was the alumni that were there, uh, the Watsons were there, Billy Barber, Brad Marsh, who runs that alumni association, yeah. was there, uh, and that bunch, Danny Briere. Uh, a, a lot of uh, the old the old players, and, that, and that's really cool. And the Chief was there. I didn't see the Stanley Cup, at least in the photos that I saw, but uh, cool thing for them to do, not to forget one of their own that, uh, that won a cup, and that was great for the Chief. Yep, way to go, Chief. Hey, Chip, another thing I wanted to throw at you, if you have $18,000 sitting around, I've got a Babe Ruth ball for you here at the convention, mm-hmm. and I can bring it home with me when I come. It just takes eighteen grand, and uh, if you wanted to, you know, PayPal that over to me, however you want to do it. Uh, talk to Miss Linda first and uh, send it over. I'll bring that ball home to you. See if they'll take twelve. Then I'll consider it twelve thousand. Uh, I'm not sure they take twelve, but they might take sixteen. So be careful what you say. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But hey, there's a lot of really cool stuff. The, uh, the Nationals lost today. The Nationals lost today, and that means the Phillies are now tied for the first wild card spot with the Cubs. They're both 56 and 50, and the Nationals are technically a fraction of a percentage point behind both the Phillies and Cubs for that wild card spot. So how about that? We're counting out the Phillies, and there they are right in the hunt still for the wild card. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting too, Chet, that I've noticed that the Braves uh, added some more bullpen help, and uh, all-star closer Shane Green is now an Atlanta Brave. Uh, they got the right-hander from the Giants, Mark Melanchthon, Mellington. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they gave up some minor leaguers to get Green. Green is solid. Uh, the Braves are locked in. I, you know, I I hate to sit here at August 1st saying we're playing for a wild card, but the, the, the Braves are just loading up, and they're ready to win this thing. Yeah, and the Nationals also got some relievers uh, yesterday and today, including Daniel Hudson from Toronto, so he's a pretty good reliever. Uh, the Phillies, meanwhile, lost yet another pitcher for the season now. Uh, David Robertson is done for the year, Bill. He may need Tommy John, in fact. So that deal to get Robertson last winter has not exactly worked out the way it was planned. No, not at all. And, uh, boy, what a what a mess that whole thing has been. And, you know, it's going to be interesting how this thing plays out for the Phils. I don't know really, you know, what the expectations are to get there. You know, I, I think – they did exactly what I, I thought they would do at the trade deadline. They didn't buy. They didn't sell. They sat pretty firm. Um, they're, they're playing out this, this thing. I just they, We all know they don't have the pitching to win a championship. So I think they're not willing to trade the farm for one guy because I think they think they're not close enough. Yeah, and, you know, I actually agree with them. As disappointing as it is to say that, I think they did the right thing right here because I didn't want to see them give up, you know, their top prospect or top two prospects to get a guy who might only be here for three months or maybe a year and three months. So let's wait till the off season and find the best available free agent pitcher and go crazy and get the guy. Uh, right now they're on track for 85-and-a-half wins. As we said, they're still very much in the hunt for a wild card spot. They are tied for the wild card right now. Yeah, they could still use more pitching, but, you know, maybe they'll get lucky and Drew Smiley will continue to have the success he had in the first two games. Uh, maybe Vargas, who they got from the Mets, will be okay. He's not actually having a very bad year, so maybe they'll get lucky and at least sneak in the wild card and then, of course, get killed by the Dodgers in the postseason anyway. But uh, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting next two months. Well, it is, and, and you know, the whole thing, the whole Gabe Kapler situation is going to play out at some point, and, and quite frankly, Chet, I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll go on the record right here, almost August 1st. Let's call it August 1st. Kapler's not going anywhere. People that think he is are, are maybe going to be disappointed. I don't see him going anywhere. I think he's, he's going to get a pass because of the injuries. Um, yep. I, just don't, I just don't see there being much change uh, coming in this organization. I agree. I think uh, that little triumvirate is in this for the long haul, at least the next couple of years, that being, you know, Clintac and McPhail and Gabe Kapler. So, yeah, they'll, they'll all be back next year for sure. I agree. All right, Chet, hey, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right, PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. Mr. Chesco, we're almost out of time. Do you have a parting shot tonight? You know, 
It helps if you turn the microphone on. Yes. Uh, yeah, Bill. Uh, interesting stat in uh, a Matt Gelb story this morning in The Athletic, which points to what we all thought at the beginning of the baseball season regarding the Phillies' offense being a huge reason for optimism. When the Phillies score four or more runs, they're 49-13. and 13. That's a 750 winning percentage. And when we looked at this lineup back in March, I think we both figured they'd score four or more runs the great majority of time. But if my math is correct, they've scored four or more runs in 58% of their games. That means that in the other 44 games they've played, or 42% of them, they've scored three runs or fewer. And again, checking the math here, that means they are just 7-37 and 37 when they've scored three runs or fewer. And that is an indictment of both the hitters for underachieving and the pitching staff for not keeping them in those games when the offense isn't clicking. So it's a combination of things. They need the hitters to do a better job with what they're supposed to be doing. And the pitching, as we well know, has been a disappointment. Well, and I'm going to help you with that because, uh, you know, I always used to point out about the, uh, the difference in the runs scored against runs against. Right now yep. the Phillies are minus 20 while the Braves are plus 59 and the Nationals are plus 47. The <laughs> Phillies have given up more runs than anybody in the NL East uh, and, and are third uh, in runs scored. So if you're giving up runs, you, you obviously you got to score more, and they're, they're not doing minus 20. isn't usually going to get it done. You know it. Hey, do you have a parting shot? I do not. By the way, the Dodgers are plus 165. Wow. I'd say they're the team to beat. I do not One have other a thing, Bill. Shot. One other thing, Bill. Uh, in recent weeks, for the fun of it, we played an old Crazy Eddie commercial and a couple of short Crass Brothers spots. And this week, because this particular business was in the news late last week, here's a spot from this legendary South Philly establishment that we've all heard hundreds of times over the years. Right here. Everybody who knows goes to Melrose. Everybody who knows goes to Melrose. Everybody who knows. Breakfast is now being served at the Melrose Diner. Country fresh eggs, any way you like them. Pancakes, French toast, sausage, bacon, scrapple, chipped beef, and that famous Melrose coffee, piping hot. Think you can hold out till you get there? 15th Street, Snyder, and Pashyunk. There you go. Sounds like, everything, it sounds like everything is hot at the Melrose Diner these days, Chuck. <laughs> Well, yeah, they did have the fire there last week. I haven't seen anything official, but the owners were hoping to be able to reopen the diner either this coming weekend or sometime next week. So hopefully that will be the case. All right. Well, with that, we've reached the top of the hour, Chet. So let's thank our special guest tonight, Super Bill Bradley, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August 7th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.